0: Data Skeptic mini-episodes provide high-level descriptions of key concepts related to data science and skepticism. Today's topic is stationarity and differencing.
1: So Linda, I was pleasantly surprised as we prepped a little bit for this to find out you actually have a lot more experience with quality control than I thought you might.
0: Well, you never asked. (laughs)
1: Well, I've I've mentioned shoe heart charts a couple of times. You never really spoke up.
0: What are they called?
1: Shoe heart charts. I
0: have no idea what that means.
1: It's a a thing for control systems. What does stationarity mean to you? Just off the top of your head. Obviously, it's a a version of stationary. What is stationary?
0: Stationary? Uh Well, there's stationary like what you
1: write on. Oh, yeah. Not
0: that. There's (laughs) also stationary of like not moving. Yeah, yeah. stationary object is one that's not
1: moving yeah so that actually is a pretty good intuition for the statistical meaning it's a function that is not changing through time so let's get into quality control you actually have a couple of experiences right
0: so wait we're moving into quality control because why
1: because i uh, want to relate quality control to stationarity in previous jobs, you've had experiences with quality control, right? Once uh, w- with some products that were being developed and once with uh, an audit of sorts?
0: Yeah, so I used to work, I'm not going to name names, but I used to work at a coffee shop and then they would measure their quality control because they would have mystery shoppers who would come in and buy this product and then they would measure it based on, I mean, let's make up an example. For example, it could be a cup of coffee. So uh-huh. they could order... A latte, then Mm -hmm. they could time you and see how long it took for you to make the product. Then they could take the temperature and see how, if it was delivered hot enough, Uh you know, because if it's cold, that's not optimal. They could grade you on taste, grade you on whether. You enter the customer service aspect, whether you talked to them or knew them yeah. or acted friendly. And then in terms of like giving them the correct change and money, they could grade you on that. So that's one example how a mystery shopper can gauge this. Mm-hmm. All in secret, by the way. How often did the mystery shoppers come? In this industry, they said once a month. Once and it was month. always un you would never know when what week or anything.
1: Uh-huh. Once a month is a little bit rare. Why wouldn't they do it, let's say, eight or nine times a day?
0: Eight or nine times a day. Yeah,
1: once an hour. Well, I, I would a good say... measurement. What, what if the you know morning differs from the evening?
0: That's probably just expensive more
1: than anything. Oh uh-huh, yeah, it's expensive. Then
0: you'd have to get however many mystery... If you want to do it once an hour, that means you need, like... If they're open eight hours a day, eight different mystery people. Yeah, yeah. Unless you want them to repeat it, in which case that can look suspicious.
1: Yeah, so yeah, you'd have to get a lot of different people... How else are you going to know the complete picture of the business? You know, what if the afternoon shift people are, are starting to nod off? They're not as attentive as the morning shift? Or I mean,
0: that's why it's random times, you know, once a month.
1: Or you could do it once a week or so. But
0: I think most people make the jump that if you do it randomized, that maybe the rest is probably okay. And then also you probably keep people on their toes knowing that it's random.
1: What if you send the mystery shopper and then the day after that, the employee is like, phew, they're not going to come for at least three more weeks because they only come once a month. So we can slack off now.
0: Once the mystery shopper comes, Uh it's just a set amount of time. It doesn't mean the next mystery shopper is not exactly a month. And they may not give you the report right away.
1: Oh, okay. To like keep it in the dark. Could you ever guess the mystery shopper?
0: I mean, you might have habits. You would know the mystery shopper is going to buy this one thing.
1: Well, how do you know the one thing? Because they told us. The mystery shopper <laughs> Technically, always buy it.
0: Well, because at this business, they named this one product. You know, if it was a drink, let's say it's uh-huh. a latte, that could be your standard. And that's okay. the one that you're judged on the most yeah. because they deemed it as incorporating all the elements that uh-huh. they viewed as important.
1: But then when they pull out a stopwatch and time you, isn't it kind of obvious they're the mystery shopper? Well, they're supposed to be secret. Oh, okay. So. They, they don't
0: show you that they're doing It's all secret. You don't see anyone...
1: Did you ever catch someone being not as secretive as they should? No, you don't see anyone. So it's a pretty good measurement then. Given your experience and observing your uh, co-workers, did you find that they always had a pretty consistent quality of work because they were afraid they never knew when the mystery shopper would come?
0: So was anyone slacking off? I mean, I think everyone was always on their feet and on their toes watching out because they were like, and they would give each other feedback too. They'd be like, oh, that drink wasn't very good. You need Mm. to remake it. I mean, there was a level of quality that you guys had to attain too.
1: So if I had come into your store at a random day, do you think I would have gotten a pretty consistent quality or maybe would the weekend shift be better than the weekday shift?
0: I mean, it really just depends who's working behind the bar, Uh you know, but generally they try to keep the experienced people behind the bar. So that, right. you know, consistent, yeah, predictable workers. That's another reason why they probably want to maintain the
1: same workers. So it's a consistent team. So why do you think all those things would be valuable to a business?
0: Well, it's dependable, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're a large franchise or a chain, you probably want people to know that when you go and eat and drink there, it's the same standard Yep. everywhere.
1: Yeah. And the mystery shopper should be able to audit at any time and they can expect a consistent experience that the average is always the same. And a known variance that, you know, the quality, yes, it's not maybe precise every time, but it's within a certain range. You know, the line could be a little longer, or a little shorter, or whatever. For those who already know about this sort of stuff, I will also say that the covariance must not depend on time. But if anyone does know what that is, don't worry about it, because I want to get into just more the gist of stationarity. So if your process is stationary, you get to take advantage of lots of useful statistics, in addition to the value just being consistent, plain and simple. Maybe your coffee shop was pretty consistent day to day, week to week, month to month. What do you think about fruit cultivation? So you uh, eat fruit pretty much year round, maybe even daily, right?
0: Yeah, I try.
1: How does time affect it? Do you get different qualities in the summer versus the winter?
0: Oh yeah, so uh, all fruit or veggies have a season. If you buy it when it's prime season, you have a wider variety Mm -hmm. and usually it's cheaper and it tastes better.
1: Right, so you can't control the seasons as a farmer, but you can make sure that things, that other things are consistent. Like you know, if the produce needs to be refrigerated, let's say, then you can make sure the fridge is always working and it's always at the right temperature, and that doesn't depend on the time of the year. So you can fix all the parts that you can control, and then you uh, find a way for what you can't control, like the seasons, you find a way to remove the non-stationary elements with different methods, Um, And the reason you do that is because you can study the process a lot better once once you have a stationary process. So first, you want the expectation to be known, constant, and normally distributed. That means, for starters, that there's an average quality to every item. If you pick up one off of like a conveyor belt, you have a good expectation that that one represents the whole bunch. You might get one that's a bit above or below average, but you also know that average and you know its variance.
0: Okay, so we're talking about a conveyor belt of fruit, right? Mm-hmm. Then you know I might not be very good at sorting mm-hmm. or handling the fruit
1: what happens. Yep. Well, so your your hiring practice is actually part of your process. You want to try and make sure that's as stationary as possible that you always get a consistent quality of worker with uh, a controlled variance the change in every employee's performance contributes to your variance. So if you hire anyone who applies, your process will have a really large variance because, you know, just random people off the street won't necessarily do a good job. That's why that's something you want to control. So I should also mention a technical detail. To be stationary, the covariance must not depend on time. Um, If you know what that means already, great if for the rest of you, just think of this assembly line with the consistent output and always knowing the variance that's of stuff that's rolling off the line. And that's the picture that'll pretty much help you understand stationarity. Okay.
0: So you gave us some, some food for thought about how to control for certain things mm-hmm. and then how to measure the variance of
1: others. Right. So not all processes are stationary, like maybe your assembly line but if we do a process called differencing, then they often become stationary. Differencing is the process where you subtract or the most recent observation from the previous one. So it's kind of like you take out the difference from yesterday and you just want to study the change. And sometimes there's a reason why you might study a differencing with like two legs, but for the most part, differencing means you just take yesterday out of today. So you're looking at the day-to-day change. That often gives you a stationary process which allows you to make really useful predictions and do inference so we get all the benefits of a lot of known things like the central limit theorem which we talked about a long long time in another mini episode a long time ago yep. yeah
0: oh well, i don't really remember that but uh in terms of quality i know there's some podcasts i like more than others <laughs> yeah,
1: which one do you like the most
0: Oh, I like the one about me busting my knee open. Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> and then I think there was a long
1: episode one that we listened to together. Uh-huh.
0: Oh, I like the cornbread one.
1: Yeah, so you remember that, but you don't remember Central Limit Theorem.
0: Nope. So, I mean, how do you make sure your podcast maintain a standard?
1: Uh, so, how do I measure quality control of the podcast? Yeah. Do I want a stationary uh, quality measurement? I don't know, D I assume so. Well, actually, I would like it to be improving, okay. you know, But but like, and I hope the show is improving, but then if it's improving, then it's not stationary. But if I want to study it and make sure that I'm not wavering, that I have a really tight variance, then I might do this process called differencing, where I just compare... This podcast to the last one, and I see how the you know relative change in, in quality. So I'd I'd first have to find a way to to get a really good measurement of the quality of the podcast. Maybe we could rely on your memory, if we assume that, you know, the better episodes are the ones you remember more. Something like that. Does that seem like a good way to measure the quality?
0: Well, you know, I'm I'm a biased person, mm-hmm. so
1: no. <laughs> but you're my audience. I'm trying to convince you.
0: I'm only some of your audience. Some right. people like me, some dislike me. I hear you loud and clear, people <laughs> out there. <laughs>
1: if we take for granted that the podcast is improving as I get practice and work harder at the show, then uh, I would want to use differencing to take that out and just study the week-to-week ups and downs. And that is hopefully a stationary process. And then I can look at quality control measures. And I get these benefits that it has an average and no one's variance and that property the covariance, that gives me a stationary distribution, which has all these nice little properties like central limit theorem. That's partially why stationarity is very important. It allows us to do inferencing and make good statistical predictions on a time series that happens to be stationary or one we can make stationary through differencing.
0: I think on this episode I kind of just learned how data scientists view quality control.
1: How do we view it?
0: Uh you just use different vocabulary.
1: but we view it statistically
0: but we didn't really go into
1: statistics here i talked about a lot of statistics well anyway lots of that is fodder for future mini episodes uh, including a discussion of integrated time series and the dickie fuller method for checking stationarity we can talk about that in future episodes and a little googling will get you there sooner if you just can't wait so a couple of announcements before we go first off i want to encourage everyone to join our slack channel We've been primarily using the Slack channel to discuss this data skeptic home sales project, which has been uh, rolling along rather nicely, and we've made some good progress. So whether you're interested in that or just discussing topics on the show, feel free to join Slack, and uh, we have this little community we're building there. On the home sales project, we are looking for volunteers of all kinds, engineers and non-engineers, technical people and non-technical Head over to dataskeptic.com and click around and you can get all the details there. And last but not least, also at dataskeptic.com, we're launching this little interns program. It's kind of an experiment. I want to take on two people for about uh, a month in the summer. They will work with me to help develop the script for a mini episode and uh, maybe do a blog post for the site to accompany it. I'll meet weekly with the two people, just, you know, it can be remote over Skype, help them through the process, a little bit of mentoring. So I'm looking for like a student in a field related to data science. If you want to apply, there's details at dataskeptic.com. Please submit your resume by Friday, May 27th, 2016. And there's details, like I said, at dataskeptic.com if you're interested in being a short-term part-time intern for the show. And other than that, thanks for joining me, Linda. Thank you. And until next time, I want to remind everyone, especially the mystery shoppers, to keep thinking skeptically of and with data.
0: For more on this episode, visit dataskeptic.com. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher.